Scotty Kipfer. She's Amy Oust. Welcome to the show. The very first episode. This is very exciting. Yeah. We've been working on this for quite some time. Yep. And we're going to go a little bit deeper behind the scenes, kind of uh, figure out where the music comes from, where the uh, where the artists have been, stories along the way, that sort of thing. What makes them tick. Exactly. And uh, just before Christmas, we had an opportunity to speak to uh, our very first guest. Yes. He's an actor. Mm-hmm. He has been in movies with Liam Neeson. He was in the Power Rangers movie. Uh, Ten-time CCMA nominee. Yep, and a few years back, he was Shania Twain's only opener on the Canadian leg of her tour. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And let's not forget his sharp wit as well. Yes, you're going (laughs) to love this. Let's bring him in. Wes Mack. How's it going? Better now. How are you? (laughs) Also better now. (laughs) How's it going, Wes? I'm doing pretty good. I am just waking up recently. Uh, I'm out at my cabin. Um, yeah, I got in here still late last night. Uh, sort of at the, it's uh, near Invermere, uh, so oh, yeah. like BC Interior. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, man. Um, I, it's like my favorite place in the world. I mean, it was my last day a day ago in Vancouver. There, I tried to wrap up a bunch of work stuff, and now I'm uh, now I'm here. I'm, I'm doing like a transition work day of like a bunch of things I need to finish on a computer that I will set up beside a TV and watch a bunch of Christmas movies uh, <laughs> while I'm here and drink a bunch of eggnog and use that as I, it was like just the, the, the few things I couldn't quite finish up invariably that like follow you around. But then I should in theory kind of get like two weeks here where I, where I work less, which will be nice. Yeah. Cause it's, it's been a busy run, particularly near the end of this year. You mentioned Christmas movies. How many of the Christmas movies that you're about to watch have you actually been in? <laughs> Fortunately, zero. Uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think that that of all the things that I've ever been in, a dog Beam Christmas being the the Hallmark Christmas movie, which I believe you, yep. uh, uh, is my my one Christmas movie. I think it's one of the only things I've ever been in that I've like rewatched, and that's just because it's actually been on TV a couple of times. But right. I, in general, avoid my own acting work like the plague. But that one, on a couple of occasions, has just been on casually in the background. And I've been like, all right, I can tolerate parts of this, uh, <laughs> parts that I'm not in. We get that question as artists, I think, all the time. You know, is it weird listening to your own music? Is it? Um... I, th- I think it's different when you're making music, mm-hmm. you know, listening to yourself and just kind of picking all that apart. When you're an actor, I feel like you do your job acting and then it's sort of out of your hands, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's right on. Uh, I mean, I feel like being an actor is actually, if you were to compare it to the music world, is almost closer to being like a session musician. Sure. Um, in that you come and, yeah, you contribute. You're like, it's like if I hire you to play guitar on a record you come and play the guitar, but it's not your job anymore to mix that record or to like market it or, you know, and anything like that, like as, as a session player. Uh, And so I think that's really, I always, people say like, Oh, is the acting being like, being like an artist kind of thing? And I was actually, it feels more similar to that. Um, which is some of it that that is, gives me a great joy as an actor and that I just go do my little creative thing, whatever that is. And then it's out of my hands. Um, but I do find it also like I in terms of like, you know, rewatching or re-listening to your stuff, I find with music, I'll listen to my own stuff a lot while I'm working on it, obviously, like, you know, mixed revisions, mixed revisions, changing things. And then once I put it out, I tend to not listen to it at all until, you know, every now and then, like after I've had a song out for a couple of years, I've gone back to like 
you know, an album I put out when I was like 19 or something like that. And I listened to it front to back, you know, like many years after the fact. And it was, and then it's kind of cool because then it's like you, you get to revisit. It's just like, it's like a nostalgic thing. You remember like, oh yeah, me and my friend, like we're shaking that shaker in that weird <laughs> studio room. It brings back a lot of memories. Well, sure. Um, and, and listening with fresh ears is a different thing too, isn't it? Totally, totally. But I mean, with, with the acting side of it, I never, I've never enjoyed watching my own acting work because I find the difference there is you're, you're playing a character and see so you're sort of your suspension of disbelief falls apart mm-hmm. as soon as you walk into the shot. Like right, I, right. I, I can, I've, you know, I remember going to the, I went to the Power Rangers movie in theaters. It was the first time, like uh, a thing that I'd been in had had like a big theatrical release and I was a big Power Rangers fan when I was a kid. So there was, it was still pretty novel and like, I'm only in a handful of scenes in that movie. So I'm like, I can watch the rest for the rest of the movie. It like felt like I was watching a normal movie. But the scenes that I was in, I don't think I breathed at all. Like, I was just like, it just felt so awkward. I was like, oh, oh, God, oh, geez, it looks okay. And then it would, the scene would finish, and I'd be like, okay, we're back. Obviously, I think there's there's a certain amount of nerd out factor, right? So, like, what's it oh, like 100%. to walk on to a, to a Power Rangers set and actually, you know, get into a headspace where you have to be a character in this movie? Yeah, so a bunch of things on that. To me, one of the things I love about acting is getting to walk on to like elaborate sets mm-hmm. it, it just makes you feel like a child again and i'm and i'm never ashamed like I, I find there's sort of this artist quality that people sometimes don't want to admit that and that they're there for the hard for the for the work of it which i am there for but my like inner child just beams in those moments it's basically it's playing in the backyard again with your friends right uh only now you're being paid to do it and, the, and there's sometimes the sets are so elaborate that you're like i don't even have to imagine anything this is uh this is, you know, everything I want it to be. But like, I, I do agree that there, there is sort of a weird switch um, to flip where it's like, cool, then how do I ground that and make it, you know, whatever performance it needs to be. And I think a lot of that's just like, I've spent a decent amount of time in my life, like training and mm-hmm. doing like various like theater and acting stuff where it's like, cool, you click into that. But I find they can work really nicely at the same time in that I think when you're having the most fun and being almost the most like having that sense of childlike wonder, that's when you can actually do some of your best acting. So I find it, you know, kind of puts me in a good spot to just be like, wow, this is so much fun. Um, get to do this, you know, here today. But there's also on, on Rangers, it's, it's, there's all kinds of weird other stuff in that it's like, A, I, I was a big fan of that series. B, um, I was 29. I turned 29 the day we shot one of my scenes, and I'm playing a high school student in it. So that to me was comical in and of itself. This is the 90210 uh, syndrome, right? Yeah, it was totally. It was just like you were sitting there in desks. I was supposed to be in detention, and they've got me in like you know the quintessential like bully outfit, and I'm like, this is so far from my from reality. But I'm, I, like you know, I can feel my beard growing in, but I'm just like, oh, on camera it works, so whatever. Um, but yeah, man, probably the craziest part was we shot one of the CG scenes there. They, um, they actually, I wasn't supposed to be in that many scenes in the movie, but a couple of the producers were on set on my first day there, and they found me good for comedic relief, basically. So one of them grabbed me and was like, hey, do you want to like, be in a couple more scenes in this movie? And like, what person in the universe is going to say no? Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, yes, please. And so I got to shoot this sequence later where the, like a putty patroller is chasing me, but they CG'd all that stuff. So we shot like 30 takes of me just running as fast as I can sprint across a parking lot and jumping and doing a front flip into a convertible. And like, I'm not a stunt guy, but I like figured out how to do it. But it was like running full tilt as though a giant putty patroller is chasing you. 
but it was good because because i was a fan of it like i know what that is and i know uh what the zords are and all that stuff they they made a couple of comments where some of the other actors who were just playing for a couple of days they're like okay and one of the zords flies over the pterodactyl zord and, and one of the people was like well, what, what does that mean what are you talking about and they were like admittedly probably like seven or eight years younger than i was and probably didn't grow up watching power rangers and i like kind of rolled my eyes i was like let me tell you what that means because <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the zords anyways i i, I could go on about power rangers forever but you know was, what's awesome though when when we're talking to you about your acting how <clears throat> impassioned you are about that and I think that's yeah. really awesome because you are that way about uh, your music as well and you've got two really awesome platforms to to be artistic and now you know with your uh, your latest album Soul which came out in October yeah um, how you know how did you um, you kind of put all that creative energy into that project I think that album is the like me really figuring out my creative process and like i i am so grateful that i was able to do this and it was like a tremendous amount of fun in that like when i started making soul like four years ago um i feel like somewhere in the early phases of making that record i kind of got off in like what i feel is kind of creatively the wrong direction of like chasing around other people's sounds and trying to chase down music that was like popular and trying to write by numbers and write by like what i think people want to hear and it was a really gross place to get to and i didn't really realize it because it's a transition that happens slowly i've talked to a million artists about this but i realized at some point i was like man i'm making these songs from like a place of fear and not creativity um and it was a sobering awakening but it was really liberating because as soon as i could see that i was like okay well, the, the, there's the obvious fix is just like go back to everything I love about music and write the rest of the record and record the rest of the record just for me. Don't go after anybody else's sound. Like it, it can be a subtle adjustment, but like the, the mentality of it was really different of just like, cool, getting into the studio from there on. Uh, we were actually, we were working on the song Never Have I Ever at the time. And we had like a whole version of it finished that was like, far more poppy and dancey and like like an 808 kick drum to it and like there's nothing wrong with any of that but what was wrong with it in my opinion for that song was it had lost the like story of that the, the soul of the song what, what wasn't there anymore so i remember yeah. i went into the studio and i called my co-producer down and one of my guitar players um who was sessioning on it and i was like hey what i want to do is delete everything we've done on the song like we finished that song, but I, I want to take it back. And they they both kind of laughed and were like, Haha, "What do you really want to do?" And I was like, "Nope, that's exactly what I want to do." And we did. We, I mean, you, you kind of jokingly in 2019, you don't need to like light the tapes on fire or anything like that. But we like stripped the session back to like a vocal and, and like a, a kick drum or something, and started again. And we did it far more organically. All the instruments we like. There's way less programming. A lot more playing of things. Um, as a rule, started leaving in a lot of errors. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's like questionably in time and like a lot more things were just played in the room acoustically, just sort of like instead of trying to come up with like, what's the catchiest part we could put here? It was just like, what's what's what do we actually need on this? Like what, what feels right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, what belongs there? And it was a lot more reductive rather than like additive and that it was way less tracks. And I don't know, it, it just got to a place where all of a sudden 
from there on that was how we did the rest of the songs and it was so much easier um it was so much more logical every step of just like oh cool this is what this song needs maybe all it needs is a drum and a guitar right here uh we don't need to like i like the idea of creating from a from like a toolbox rather than a checklist you know it's like if you need to hammer a nail into a wall you don't pull out every tool in your toolbox and like test all of them you pull out the one you need and you do it right um so as a result, you, you end up with a much more organic sound. And so, to yeah. me, listening to that over, uh, you know, some of your earlier stuff, you, you've you got room for that vocal to really shine. And uh, what I found listening to this new music is that uh, there's, there's it, whether it's there or not, it, it feels like there's more of a maturity uh, yeah. to not just your voice, but to the production. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's a, a great step forward. Thanks, man. I, I feel the same on it. I feel like it... it it was me kind of refinding my own voice in this. Um, and like it, it now sort of sets me on a track where I'm just like, I've been writing a ton since I put it out and it, I've, it just feels like it's coming easier and easier right now where it's just like, Oh, I really feel like I'm doing what I want to do as a, and as soon as if you're only serving what you yourself want to do, uh, it's easy to know if you're on the right track, if you're trying to make everybody happy, yeah. uh, you'll drive yourself crazy and you, you'll have no idea. Like the thing is, um, and I was working one time with uh, Jay Joyce, who produces all of our church's records, and I think very highly of him. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to write with him a couple of times a number of years ago. And he had said to me, he's like, well, you never actually know what's going to work, like at radio or something like that. He's like, so you may as well make something weird and interesting that like that you'll be proud of later, because <laughs> it's like it might work or it might fail. And I, I really try – I've taken that to heart of just like – you can't know what will succeed, but I can, I can know what makes me happy. Well, and that um, probably feels a lot more authentic to you too, right, Wes? Oh, it certainly does. Because, I mean, like, I, if you go and have a big commercial flop on something that you love, you can still live by that, you know? But if it's uh, if you if you succeed or fail with something that's not true to your heart, if you're succeeding, I think that can feel okay. Uh, probably not great, but certainly if you're failing on something like that... Um, then you're really questioning like, Oh, what am I even doing? Cause it's like, if I don't even like this and nobody else likes this is well, why did I even bring this thing into existence? Right. Um, so yeah, uh, all in all soul has honestly like, feels like one of those weird gifts in life where I like, I set out to make that record with one intention, finished it with a very different one and feel like it taught me more about me <laughs> than I expected. And I, and I really like it. You know, I've spoken to you uh, a few times in the past, and, you know, I always ask you the question about how, you know, each song or now each album uh, changes, because I think probably, and I'm not a musician at all, tone deaf, in fact, but (laughs) probably you're always changing and morphing as an artist too, right? Totally. I think it's one of those, like, you're yeah you're perpetually going to be in you know, a change is the only constant is sort of an adage that you could live by there which is fairly true um yeah i think all you can try to be doing is i think trying to be truthful to yourself at any point in time and that's kind of the only like that's uh, it, that will always change too like what that sound might be and how you might feel about it will change but if you're true to that you have some kind of compass um which is nice because, yeah, making make art can feel when you're in the middle of making a record and you're two and a half years in, uh, it, it can feel a little uncertain as to where it's going if you don't have that. 
Let's talk about uh, the writing of the album for a second. Um, yeah. Is it true you wrote the title track just alone in the morning? Yeah, yeah. And so one of the big things for, for that I started doing in the middle of this record, I read this book called The Artist's Way. It's, it's been a big deal to me. Um, and it basically... It's a book of many things. I would highly recommend it to every person in the world, right? Whether you consider yourself an artist or not, it kind of flags all humans as like inherently creative, right. uh, which I believe. Um, one of the things it has you do, there's a lot of sort of homework assignments to it. But one of the, the most prevailing one is that every morning you get up and you write three pages in the morning um, of just stream of consciousness. It doesn't matter what you write. You could write the word potato a hundred times. Um, the idea of it is to sort of unblock yourself and just get like i find as a writer a lot of times you can have a good idea and talk yourself out of that good idea before you ever even got it on the page or oftentimes you know you get halfway through a song and you do the terrible thing of start comparing your half completed song to the finished work of one of your very favorite artists and you go Ugh, it's not as good i'm just gonna stop and it's a terrible thing to do to yourself because it's like how can your work how you're comparing your incomplete work to it's apples to oranges kind mm -hmm. of thing. So, so doing these pages, it kind of, I find, unblocks you. And you find, you learn a lot of stuff when you start writing stream of consciousness. I found for the first like number of months, it was me waking up and it was very, I hate this and this sucks. I'm frustrated about this. And when all of that's staring back in your face every morning, um, the book doesn't tell you to do anything about it, but it kind of makes you want to change some stuff in your life. Um, and so for me, weirdly, I realized about a year into doing it, a lot of mornings I started writing lyrics. And I was just like, well, all right, well, if that's what it wants to be, that's what it wants to be. I wouldn't set out to do that. So as I'd sit there and write breakfast, or sorry, eat breakfast, I would just write. And sometimes lyrics would start to pop up. And one day uh, I started writing Soul. And I wrote Soul in probably five minutes. And it was just... Every single line in Soul, there was no revisions of like the line before. It was just, that's the next line, that's the next line, that's the next line. And then I picked up a guitar and just played it. Like the chords and melody were all there. And it was one of those weird things where it's just like, it really makes you believe that like, oh, the song's already kind of out there in the universe. It's just, if you can get your ego out of the way enough to hear it, um, it'll come to you. So that was a, that was a real gift there. And, and because it happened as I was figuring out a lot of other stuff about how I wanted the record to sound. Uh, it felt like both thematically and the way it was written kind of encapsulated everything that I had done on this record. So yeah, it became the, uh, the title track. So Wes, when you're writing, how much of what you're doing is, uh, is by yourself and how much of it is uh, collaborative writing? At the beginning of this record, I, I had gotten to a place where it was all co-writes and it was always, I was always just writing with other people. Um, so that's what I'd done you know, on my last record, I, you know, I used to only write on my own. And then at some point I got into co-writing and it was really helpful and, it, you know, made me a lot better as a writer. Um, what was cool kind of on this one is this record got me back into some of the value of like writing on my own. I'm now at a spot where I'm doing a lot of writing on my own and then bringing like larger pieces of kind of written stuff in with, you know, groups of guys that I know well and go, cool, let's finish this. Um, so I, it, it's a mixed bag, um, but I, I like that. Um, it's, I'm starting to feel again, a lot more confident on my own solo writing. Like you get to a place with doing a lot of co-writes. I think where you, I've talked to a lot of writers who feel like this, it's you co-write so much and get really good at that. But you start to question if you can do it on your own anymore. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just, it's a different muscle. Um, 
so yeah, I like having I like having the mix though of it. I feel uh, I feel strong on both right now. But you're no stranger to collaborations. You've got uh, that old duet with with uh, Carly and uh, yeah. on this new project. You've got some stuff with Sons of Daughters and Maddie. What does it mean to you to collaborate with somebody like that? You know, it's different. Each one of those actually has like a pretty different sort of vibe to it, and different in how it came together. Um, I really like it because if I think about me as a listener. I really enjoy songs that have like featured artists on them. Mm-hmm. So I just find it's neat. It's like you take the creative juice of like one artist and you combine it with another and you just get like a, a weird hybrid that you like, it's, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. Totally. Um, so for each of those, like it also gives me the advantage in producing those to be like, cool. I get to paint with the Carly brush now or with the sons of daughters brush or with the Maddie brush. And it's just like adding, sounds that i otherwise couldn't you know create on my own particularly when you're bringing in like a female vocal to it i think inherently something at a biological level when you combine a guy's and a girl's voices they do nice things together um so that 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 also though for me like in a lot of those instances those are like good friends of mine who i like (laughs) kind of got into a place where i realized life's so short and i love getting to work with my friends because you spend so much time with the people you work with. Um, and if you're working with people you don't like, which I've done in chapters of my life, uh, it sucks, you know, cause you, you, you realize you're spending so many of your days with people that you're not really wild about. Whereas if you can surround yourself in people that you really like and you feel supported by and you're having fun, like, mucking around with it's great i mean that's the reason i got like i got into the entertainment business to try and never work an honest day in my life (laughs) (laughs) you know uh uh, whether or not i've succeeded in that who knows but uh if i can just you know be yucking it up with with friends of mine that's best case scenario especially when you're working on like music uh it's literally my favorite thing to do so it's cool to get to you know, wrangle some of your buddies onto something for a, for a stretch of time. Uh, by the way, I watched the video with uh, you and Maddie for Best Hangover, and uh, that's a spicy little video with the hand grabbing the sheet there. Mm-hmm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it is. Did you Very direct that? Muy caliente, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did you direct that? I did direct that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, funny enough, myself and Maddie have never met each other in person. What? Fun fact. If you watch that video, all the scenes with me mm-hmm. and all the scenes with her, we were never in the same place. It just it was not possible scheduling wise when we needed to do it to get her in the same place as me. So she tracked her vocals in Edmonton and shot the video components in Edmonton. And then I sat there and edited the thing and went in with my colorist and sort of color matched the two different things. And so you like I think we did a pretty good job at like I, even me watching it a few times. I'm like, well, obviously we're in the same place. It's like, we are never <laughs> no, in the looks... same place. Trick of the eye. <laughs> have you, you have obviously spoken with her before though. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we, had, we chatted a number of times and like went on Skype and talked about the song a bunch of times. And then I was there when she did her studio stuff. I was on FaceTime, like talking to her you know, on Evil Take. Um, it, she would probably tell you, I, I got to hear just the most like, when I was hearing the playback of it, I was hearing her singing always with no track. Mm-hmm. So, so I've gotten to hear just just naked Maddie vocals uh, just into the room, which is totally just the crappiest experience probably for her. And that, like <laughs> as a singer, that's so um, so vulnerable. But she's got such a great voice and is honestly just like a rad human and uh, made it made it very fun. I was just gonna say she's super rad. So let's hope that you can get some face to face hangs in the future. Yeah. 
you know, it does give us a good excuse to hang out when we're in the same city at some point. <laughs> like, remember when we put a song out together? <laughs> Going back a few years now, you had a, a whole record that uh, never was released. Um, which oh yeah yeah there is a record that <laughs> green flag <laughs> yeah green flag has never been released so um, what's it like to create something in its entirety and then just put it on a shelf it's it's weird uh, so it's okay so that record that was the first thing I'd ever done okay we got to go way back here so I'd played in a band for like eight years with like two of my buddies in this trio um, that we started when we were like you know, in junior high school. Um, and then when that finished, I remember being like, okay, well, I'm going to make a solo record and started essentially working on green flag. And at the time didn't really know where it was going to, where it was going. And like, I wrote all these songs. I wrote, I wrote the whole thing alone. I, I engineered the entire record myself alone. I produced it all alone. I mixed it alone. Um, and then I was there for the mastering. That's the one step I didn't do personally, but it was, so it was this hugely involved process and it was like really my heart and soul in it. And I, at the time intended to put it out and then it didn't quite end up happening, but weirdly one of the tracks on it, like that album, the reason I think I've been okay with that is that it opened up a chapter of my life in that I, at the same time as I was putting that record out, I auditioned for the show Heartland. Right. And they wanted someone on the show who was like to be like an up and coming country singer um, was the character. And so I was just like, wow, this really has me written all over it. So I did the audition and I found out that I was one of uh, three people they were looking at for the part. And it was like a recurring guest star on the show. And you're never, I decided to do something that was highly unorthodox, which like could have blown up in my face and like seemed even at the time kind of bizarre. But I just, I was in Vancouver They They were based out of Calgary and I, bought a plane ticket and told my agent to call their production office and say that I just happened to be in town, which is not true. <laughs> and was just looking to come by and say, hi, because I knew they were still trying to decide on this. And it was, it had been like a self taped audition that I filmed in Vancouver. So I'd never met any of them. And I was just like, I've got to give myself some edge here. Um, and so I showed up at their production office and went and met the producers and the director of the episode and just came by and like, chatted with them for 20 minutes and talked about how I actually was a country singer. And I dropped off my album. Um, and I left a copy of green flag there cause there are physical copies of it. Um, and then I, I remember thinking like, Oh boy, I could have either shot myself in the foot or we'll see. And then as I was driving home, I got a call from my agent and she said, I have the part. Um, so it ended up paying off. Uh, but I think, you know, part of it was uh, a strange audacious move. And the other part though, was that like, they ended up actually using one of the songs on that record uh, in the show. Um, they had me perform it. So I think it gave me this like leg up. And then incidentally, my uh, being on that show is what introduced me to Jeff Johnson, who I ended up going on to co-write duet with. And he, co he produced uh, half of my first record and came on the Shania tour with me and was like pretty instrumental in the start of my career. So I say all this because I feel like that album, while it has never been commercially released, it ultimately served an interesting purpose in my life to like open some doors up because ultimately it wasn't produced to like a commercial enough level that I really could have released it to radio. Um, so I, I kind of look at it like one day I might release those songs because they're, they're really near and dear to my heart, but they just sort of occupied this like interesting chapter of me figuring out what I was doing in my life and like how to get into the next phase of it. Okay, Wes, let's play a game called turn us on. 
All right. This is where we ask you to turn us on to something that you've recently discovered that you feel like we should know about. And this could be anything from a, a new artist that you like. Maybe it's a Netflix series or a movie. A song. A product. Okay. So what I want to turn you on to is uh, uh, this Scottish artist named Louis Capaldi. Um, and he's like blown up significantly in the last year. And I bet you if I... Were I a betting man, by Christmas 2020, he will be one of the biggest things in, like, the world for music. Um, he's kind of like an Adele meets Sam Smith. Ooh. Just, like, this really quirky, strange personality. Like, not your conventional pop singer. Very funny, like, on social media. Does not take himself seriously at all, but has, like, the voice of an angel. Um, and so I would I would highly recommend checking out Louis Capaldi. I know that uh, you're anxious to drink your eggnog in your cabin in the woods. <laughs> disgusting eggnog. <laughs> is there at least rum in there? No, there isn't. I'm a weirdo like this. I love alcohol around the holiday season, and I love eggnog, but I don't usually, I'm not usually a rum and eggnog guy. I'm just a straight-up eggnogger. <laughs> You're a nogger. <laughs> I just feel like putting rum, like, I don't know, I always get a little leery of putting alcohol in milk-based drinks, because I'm just like, I'll end up drinking a bunch of them, and they'll curdle in my stomach, and I'll throw up eggnog. So you're not a white Russian kind of guy either, then? No, no, <laughs> I like the idea of it, and I can maybe have, like, one of them. But typically, if I'm drinking, I'm drinking more than one, to be <laughs> entirely honest. And at that point, I'm, I'm, I like combining it with a, non, a non-dairy product. That's fair. All right, so now we've got another game here. It's called Five Questions, okay? And so you you can't think about it, though. You can't think too long on it. Just give me the first thing that comes to mind. I don't do any thinking anyway, so let's do it. (laughs) What song do you wish you've written? Uh, Day in the Life, the Beatles. uh, What's your favorite interaction you've had with a fan? When someone explained to me that before you drive me crazy, my song, what did it help them get through in their life? It was this, like insane story and it just meant a lot to me that you know some piece of music i'd created had meant that much to them there are many but what is the coolest moment that you've had in your career the i know it for sure uh london ontario singing party for two with shania twain i pulled out my in-ears for the first time on the tour and got to hear the full volume of the crowd as as we finished the song and it was like the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And she put her arm around me and we like took a bow. And it was, I felt like it was the, the apex of my career. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome for sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. What about um, a dream collaborator? Uh, I'd love to collaborate with John Mayer at some point. He's a genius. And if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I would love to be an astronaut. Ooh. You've always been a bit of a space cadet, so that works out. I, I am a bit of a space cadet for sure. <laughs> okay, we've got one more one more game for you. Cool. It's uh, Would You Rather. Sounds good. Okay. Would you rather watch hockey or baseball? Hockey. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Would you rather have a flying carpet or a car that can drive underwater? Flying carpet. Would you rather... Never be stuck in traffic again, or never get another head cold. Ooh, never get another head cold. Would you rather always have the taste of olive oil in your mouth, or the smell of Parmesan in your nose? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man, I just drink eggnog. Uh, uh, can I choose eggnog instead? Uh, I, I think I'll take the olive oil. Okay. Uh, maybe, yeah. 
the smell of Parmesan is pretty disgusting. Let's be honest. Oh man, that's that that's that that's a bad thing to have to choose between. <laughs> that, that's you, this interview would be so different. You guys ask like, oh, you just finished your new record. How is that? Like everything's terrible because it always tastes like olive oil. And you'd be like, oh yeah, how's it working? On that movie with the Power Rangers, I go, everything is terrible. It smells like Parmesan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it exactly. wouldn't matter. The yeah. interviews would be simpler. They'd be much simpler because all my answers would boil down to like, do you know how bad my life is right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like we answered this question off the top, but uh, would you rather live on the beach or in a cabin in the woods? Ooh, probably a cabin in the woods. I figured. It is his favorite place on earth. It is well, Wes Mack, we got to say thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was just a, a treat to talk to you. And uh, oh, seriously, thank you guys. This has been a, a lot of fun. I love getting to do something like this. It's a little longer form where I can tell my rambly anecdotes and and not have to like get a sound bite out of it to be like, "What's uh, tell us about this new album?" I'll be like, "It's a great album. You're gonna <laughs> love it. You know, buy it now. Nine nine nine." This is a little more, a little more room to breathe. That's the whole point of the show, is to get a little more in-depth with some of our favorite artists, and we're just so happy that you took some time to join us. Seriously, it is my pleasure. Have a great Christmas, Wes. Enjoy your eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish you no eggnog. I wish you no eggnog. This, this holiday. You say the sweetest Wait. things. Well, I try. Uh, I hope you guys have a spectacular Christmas. Yeah, well. thanks so much, Wes. Cheers. What a delight. He is a delight. Wes Mack, thank you so much for speaking with us. It's always great to see wonderful things happening to awesome people. Uh, we should uh, let you know about our socials. If you're not following us, you should probably be following us because... We're a good time. We're all right. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at the show on the go. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in. He's Scotty Kipfer. She's Amy Ouse. Welcome to the show.